Hey, everybody, it's Mike from the Mike Wagner Show, powered by Sockweb Studios. Visit online at sockwebstudios.com for all your needs. And brought to you by our official sponsor, the Mike Wagner Show, international warring author, Mia Mosesia Missing, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. We're here with an amazing gentleman who's multi talented. He's a director, producer who grew up in Lodak, California, whose work has been featured on Sundance, PBS, New York Times, and world class festivals. He serves as a speaker, writer, consultant, and pastor. Uh, based out of uh, Palo Alto, California. And uh, he, ha he has some films out there. His most recent works were uh, Jenny Makes a Play, Saltwater Baptism, American Moderate, The Driver is Red, also On the Fence. And he's got a brand new um, release out called Clean Slate, which is an award-winning documentary about two friends trying to make a short film while struggling with a drug addiction. And of course, you know, this literally will take it a clean slate and live, ladies and gentlemen, from Plus Studios in beautiful downtown Oakland, California, over by the Bay, the um, director, producer, growing up in Lodi, and uh, feature on a number of networks. Ladies and gentlemen, the multi-talented um, director, producer, and also of Clean Slate, Jared Callahan. Jared, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. It's good to be with you all. Well, it's great to have you on board, Jared. So you're a director, producer who grew up in Lodi, California, whose your work has been featured on Sundance, PBS, New York Times, and world-class festivals. You serve as a speaker, writer, consultant, and pastor based in Palo Alto, California. You had some films like Jamie Makes a a play, Saltwater Baptism, America Moderate, The Driver is Red, On the Fence, and your new film, uh, Clean Slate, is an award-winning documentary about two friends trying to make a short film while struggling with um, drug addiction. And before getting all that, Jared, tell us how you first got started. Uh, I was making skateboard movies in high school. Nice. Uh, it was really, it was a fun life. I My brother was better than me, so we'd get to a point where I couldn't do anything anymore, but he loved to skate still, so I picked up the camera and I filmed a skateboard video through high school and edited it senior year and that's when I really fell in love when I realized we could take all of these tapes of footage and turn them into something that we I think we sold to our friends on VHS of before YouTube you know so wow. uh, then I went to college and studied media communication and production and then uh, ever since I've been been making movies it sounds like it too and I'm ready to get a skateboard and do a camera as well too I'm gonna take one of the phones and uh, do the same thing encourage my boys to do that <laughs> and uh, that's right well, what was that one precise moment that simply influenced you into what you're doing for the rest of your career? Hmm. Well, I think, well, the first movie that you suggested, Jeannie Makes a Play, we followed a 90-year-old woman who wrote and directed original community theater for her small town. Hmm. And it was so dynamic to watch how someone, she started doing it, started a new thing when she was 80. And by wow. the time we filmed her, I think they had done 20-some-odd plays. And they, the reason she was writing original stories is because they couldn't afford the copyright. So that was a nugget of a great story. And once we followed her, she was amazing. She was a kind of uh, had a Southern Texas drawl and would laugh at her own jokes. She was a dynamo. And so once we got in there and started filming this town, it really opened it up for me because it wasn't, uh, oh, these are filmmakers who have made other award-winning short films. It was, this is Jared and he wants to tell our story. And it was amazing. That, that film is, is, is worth watching. And I learned a lot about the process of making feature films. Mm -hmm. And also a lady who uh, starts writing plays at 80 years old, you know, it's almost an unthinkable, but having that drive too, and, um, you know, just getting it out there. And I like your approach of uh, not worrying about, you know, has to get to a film fest, you know, you just do it to uh, tell a simple message. And, um, and and also we'll talk about some of your other works as well, too. And uh, who are some of your favorite um, directors, uh, writers, and um, act actors growing up? Oh, man. I don't think I watched, I did a lot outdoors. I didn't watch a lot of stuff. I think I, I didn't discover movies as they are until college. So freshman year in college, 
there's a guy on our dorm, uh, just on, on the floor, and he had hundreds of DVDs. Wow. And that was at the time where, you know, before, right before Netflix, we were still going to Blockbuster and wander the aisles for half an hour. And then maybe I remember. Movies. Yeah. And so get their popcorn. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this guy had hundreds of DVDs and he would uh, let us borrow them. And eventually he started renting them for a dollar. But the convenience of being able to walk 20 seconds next door and get four movies and come back. I watched almost everything he had. And I feel like that was a real, uh, you know, like a baptism in what film was and could be. And so I think it comes with being a freshman in college and trying to see the world and being out on your own. But I watched hundreds and hundreds of movies that year uh, while having a life and making friends and doing college. And that's when I, I really fell in love with it. So I was doing a lot of courses at that point. I was doing uh, all the stuff in media communication. We were doing journalism and radio and TV news and script writing. But when I got into a video production class, I really fell in love. And in that class, we got to do a short film, a music video, a, a silent film. We tried everything. And I really loved the medium of making films to tell stories and doing it in really short ways. And speaking of movies, uh, you watched 100 of those movies uh, from, from your neighbor, get them from a box, 20 seconds to walk and 20 seconds back, which is which is really fast. Takes me like a minute. I consider that fast back in my day. <laughs> you know, you'd have to have a debit card. You just had cash. You just flung it over and everything. What are some of your favorite movies uh, that you enjoyed uh, during that time? Especially when you rented for your friend, what, hundreds of them or something? Oh man, so many. I think, I, I, like so many people who got into movies, Wes Anderson was great, but for me, it was David Fincher. I, I think that's, I got to see Fight Club and Seven and the the ways that he had such a, a command of the camera, both of them did Wes too, but like they, they really set out to make something that was a piece of art and they treated it as such. And they communicated from script to final film their vision and what they wanted to make and i just had never seen anything like that i think i still related to films as what you could see in a movie theater in high school that was like you know jurassic park and so that was amazing and and that was an incredible film it's actually probably a bad example That's oh my gosh it's, it's okay you know what it's like you know i thought it was great in 97 took the kids there and then we saw the last one it's like it came out this past year and y'all just after memorial day when uh, top gun was a big thing top gun 2 i thought Okay, that's enough. It's like you've been gone done. since 97. It's almost like a glorified version of King Kong versus Godzilla. And then that's right. you got the third party come in and goes, that's enough. Go okay. back to your rooms. Maybe the last one is a good example. When the <laughs> last one, some of his films now feel like cash grabs. It feels like you're trying to tie together eight different movies with the ninth movie and you have all these lead characters. It didn't, it was mush. It wasn't a, a driving force of anybody. Uh, and so when these characters that different filmmakers can procure that have very clear desire they they have hurdles to go towards what they want to go to they face their demons often um it's just it's so pure and it's great and then i ended up discovering documentary one of my favorite documentaries ever is american movie and it follows a, a filmmaker and he's just given everything he can working his paper route as an adult male to save money to to, to scrounge every penny to be able to make his short horror film and it is a great great movie so i'm actually excited I, I got asked to write an article about it based on the clean slate and the ways that it's similar to clean slate by following a couple characters who despite all the hurdles uh really have a story that needs to come out of them and they're going to fight everything in their lives to overcome to be able to tell their story so uh, the film film changed my life and hooked me and i think that was probably 2001 and I've never, never turned back. <laughs> mm -hmm. And certainly does too. We'll be talking about Clean Slate and a plethora of um, films with Gerald, Jared Callahan, especially getting in the baptism. But first, listen to the Mike Widener Show at the MikeWidenerShow.com, powered by SoundCloud Studios. 
Visit online at SonicWebStudios.com for all you need. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. Sonic Web Studios is the answer. Sonic Web Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs that blow the competition away. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. That's 1-800-303-3960. Or email to support at SonicWebStudios.com. Mention to Mike Whitener's show, get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Also, time to give an official shout-out to our official sponsor, the Mike Whitener Show, international warring author Mia Molson-Zia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, you love Missing by Mia Molson-Zia, available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. It takes place in four countries, two strangers, one target, where truth is illusion and those you love will be the first go missing. It's available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Molson-Zia has garnered great reviews and Eve Levin endorsed by Howard celebrities, including Joanna Cassie, Forge Riley, and Manils. So grab your copy today for Goes Missing by Mia Molson-Zia, available on Amazon. Also, check out the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com and over 40 podcast platforms for another 100 countries, including Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Also, Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Audible, Apple Music, also on BitChute and Rumble, and also on Hamilton Radio every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, and a few networks and podcasts coming soon. Make sure you take us with you on any mobile device. Subscribe to The Mike Widener Show on the YouTube channel. Follow The Mike Widener Show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok today. And for great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com. Check out The Mike Widener Show podcast. T-shirts, pop sockets, throw pillows, tote bags, hoodies. Makes great gifts 24-7. Go to Amazon.com. Check out the Mike Widener Show podcast. And for more great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com slash Mia Molson-Zia for great books like Missing, Once, and Wrinkles. Also t-shirts, pop sockets, hoodies, phone cases, and more. Amazon.com slash Mia Molson-Zia. Check it out today. I'll support the Mike Widener Show on Anchor FM, PayPal, and the themikewidenershow.com. Make sure you do so today. We're here with a terrific gentleman, the multi-talented director, producer, grew up in Lodak, California, Jared Callan here on Mike Widener Show, talking about Clean Slate. But first, uh, let's talk about some of your other films. We already talked about Jenny Makes a Play, American Moderate. We got The Driver's Red on the fence. We also got a little baptism earlier, and this is a saltwater baptism. And tell us more about that. Saltwater Baptism is a short film that followed a college graduate. Uh, through the last week of his educational experience while he was attending a conservative religious college, but he was journeying through uh, his racial identity, his family identity, his religious identity, and his sexuality. Uh, and so he let me come and follow their last week of classes, of friendships, of parties, of family visiting, and then getting to where he could introduce his family uh, to his first uh, serious boyfriend. So it is a layered film. It's very much a taste of what life was like as a 22-year-old college graduate at the time. And they are really honest, and the film is really beautiful. He's such an introspective character. He would have these really big thoughts and then go swimming in the ocean every day. We filmed in San Diego, and um, it was just beautiful. Beautiful film, and it came out through the New York Times, and it's available on their OpDocs channel through the New York Times Saltwater Baptism. That's very interesting. We'll have to check that out. You also had American Moderate, The Driver is Red, and On the Fence. And tell us about those three and one inspired you to um, get involved with those. Well, American Moderate follows a first-time voter in the American South. She was going to vote in the Georgia primary, and this was uh, previous to the 2016 presidential election. So a lot has happened in the world since then. I realized things were coming and followed her as she was trying to figure out who she was going to vote for and how she was influenced. So I was following how she was influenced by social media and Facebook and Twitter and her family, and then coming to her own beliefs. And how did she uh, believe, who did she believe in the most to vote for? So I followed her to a Trump rally, uh, and we filmed the rally, but that was pre 
everybody knew what was happening or even thought that he could win. And so it's a really interesting a character study. I think she was 18 or 19 years old of a first time voter from the South. Hmm. How do you like that? And I'm surprised nobody got a hold of it and uh, try to confiscate or whatever it is. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they were great. I mean, like at that time, when you have people with cameras, that's all you're trying to do is get press. Right. So I walked in with a video camera and like all the other press people, they were just welcome to say whatever they wanted to say and have it filmed. So, yeah, it was, it was unique. I, they, they didn't realize that I'd be filming so much of Liz, our main character. Um, but yeah, she she was fantastic. Um, on the Fence is the short film that they film in the movie Clean Slate. Um, the Driver is Red was a film that did really, really well. Uh, directed and uh, illustrated by Randall Christopher, who just really had read a book about uh, Nazi, f fleeing the Nazi uh, territories as the <laughs> World War II came down on them and following so many people who were in the Nazi party and their goal to Argentina. So the film tells a true life story of the, um, the the tracking down and capture of one of the head Nazi generals, and it is a it was a great film. It toured for an entire year. It did a hundred plus film festivals. It won over forty awards. It qualified for the Academy Awards in two categories. It was quite an experience. And as the the director puts on his website, anyone can watch it for free at any time because he believes in the story so much. So that mm -hmm. was uh, quite an adventure with that film. Mm -hmm. And it also had some awards as well, too, at some world-class fests as well, too. And you can tell us about some of your accomplishments as well. Oh, man. Well, it's been so fun to collaborate with different filmmakers. I mean, we took Mr. Somebody, premiered at Tribeca. We've co-produced short films that have come out all over the country, including South by Southwest. Um, we the, the film world is smaller than you think. Uh, in some ways, there are people who we recognize and are famous, and that's fine. That's one way to do it. There's so many people who are talented and passionate that want to make their films and tell their stories. And when you do the festival circuit the way I have over the years, you end up making really good friends uh, with the directors and the programmers in some circles, but then also other filmmakers. And if you have a film like that, or some of these films have toured so many festivals, you end up at multiple film festivals with the same filmmakers and the same film. So once you've seen it once, I mean, while the feature film plays, you'll go out and get a meal for an hour and a half and come back for the Q&A. So you make some really, really great friends on the circuit. And it's fun to go back and see these these people with their their next film and their next film. So mm -hmm. we've been really fortunate that so many of ours have been picked up uh, in the festival circuit the way they have. Mm -hmm. And there's also a nearby uh, film fest that's uh, up and coming, too, called The Skip, which is the uh, Santa Clarita International Film Fest. And um, you guys can uh, consider that one, too. That's been like a really hot one as of late, too. Started a couple of years, and uh, that's like hot and coming. And a lot of film fests in California, too, especially. My in Santa Clarita, my my editor and producer is from there, so I'll definitely make sure he knows about it. Sounds good. We will certainly do so as well, too. And um, of course, uh, speaking of a clean slate, and uh, we talk about the movie. It's an award-winning documentary. Two friends uh, trying to make a short film while struggling with drug addiction, and um, you know, tell us more about that. And of course, you know, the base behind the drug addiction, and you know, you know, just play the whole thing out. Yeah, I was speaking at the Atlanta Film Festival for another film and then spoke on a panel about, you know, how to make your documentary film 101. And two guys came up to me afterwards and pitched me a movie. And normally that works out poorly. You don't <laughs> ever, ever go with a film hey, like any, that. Hey, anything works. You know, if Always you can have post your things on open. social media or Twitter, make a million, don't do it. So <laughs> Right. So uh, one of the guys was Cassidy. So we went out to a coffee. I thought I'd be for, there for an hour. And two and a half hours later, I heard his whole story. And he was amazing. He was a heart of gold person who had a lot of uh, hurdles in his life and was uh, wrestling with his addiction 
and wanted to make a story, a film about it. So I went out and said that I'd agree to visit their center, the recovery center where they lived at. And again, I thought I was going to go for an hour and six and a half hours later, I had got the full tour, all the companies they ran, all the houses, the multiple locations and met tens of, you know, 40 or 50 guys. And it was amazing. So that kind of birthed the relationship where I started showing up and mentoring the guys in how to make uh, films. They wanted to make feature films with actors that told stories. And as they started getting deeper into the process, I think the whole facility realized how much work that is. And once they decided to make a short film, I realized that, oh, we've got the relationship. I could film a film about them making the short film. So it is kind of a movie within a movie, but it is a laugh, cry, laugh, very honest and vulnerable film where these guys trusted us and other cameramen. And uh, many of them came and lived at the facility for the summer of 2016. And we filmed uh, with four different shooting teams for the whole summer. And wow. we got back so much footage, we didn't know what to do with it. I mean, the first cut of this movie was four hours long. Oh my goodness. there's so many great stories. We thought, well, do we have a series, you know, a season one of television? Because mm -hmm. the stories are so raw and vulnerable and amazing. And I think one of the things we saw is, and it's kind of, kind of played for you in recovery is everybody who's there has been through it so there's nobody's pretending to have it all together there's very much this like well i'm going to be honest because there's nothing else for me and it made a very vulnerable cry and laugh group and they they loved each other they were really honest with each other and that as a documentary filmmaker that's one of the first things you're always trying to find and then establish but in the world of uh residential recovery it was very hospitable to us and I think a lot of the guys really like to be filmed and have their stories captured on video. So mm -hmm. it was a fast, fast and deep relationship with the men at the recovery center. And of course, right place, the right time too, they say as well too. And what was the most unique story that you um, captured uh, in, in that, um, in that shooting? And what was the most challenging um, story that you heard, but managed to overcome? Man, what, the most challenging one, and it's, it's not a spoiler for the film because you can kind of see it. Coming, no, no, but... we don't want you to give away spoilers, yeah. but the most challenging one. Okay, well, then I'll just give you the ups, and, the ups and downs of recovery. I mean, relapse is so close to the surface for everybody all the time, at the, especially at the center we were at. Uh, some of the people were volunteer, uh, like were there to get healthy because they just had no other place to go. But a lot of the guys were there because they were court mandated. So they could either serve out, uh, like one of our characters, Josh, he could serve 10 years in prison or go try and stay sober for 18 months at this facility. Well, he did. they don't want to be there, but he wants to be not in prison for a decade. So it's a really interesting dynamic. And, and so many people there, addiction is loud and addiction can be loud in your head and determine your actions. And uh, relapse is just a thing we dealt with a lot. So I think I've had family members uh, that have, have struggled with addiction, but I haven't ever been that close to people or had that much time, money, project, life invested. And uh, relapse definitely uh, comes close to the world of clean slate. So I think I, I wouldn't change anything. We always, goal number one was always to help them be healthy. We were going to be honest, but we were never going to do anything where filming them was going to give them another reason to use or where we were ever going to show them use drugs. But there's definitely drugs around. And so mm -hmm. uh, it, it made for a really honest film in that Cassidy and Josh both, both let the crew and me still film them in these really, really low moments in their life where they were really, really honest with us. And that ended up making a film that is really special and really unique. And the people that we've shown the film to now, and it's in a theatrical uh, release a couple weeks ago, the, the overwhelming response from people who are also on the road of recovery is that they feel seen, that the mental health and the constant struggle and the self-doubt and self-talk 
um, they just feel really seen in an overwhelming way that doesn't happen in many films that deal with addiction or drug use because it's it gets Hollywoodized. It's it, you know it's made for profit instead of made, being made to tell a story of Josh and Cassidy. So for that, it's been very very difficult, but it was very much needed to the make clean slate as real as it could be. Mm-hmm. And, and what can the uh, and what can the audience uh, y'all learn learn from the movie as well? Oh well, it's it's kind of the reason I film documentaries is I film movies to be shaped myself. I mean, I'm always trying to film people that are different in age or gender or sexuality or belief. Uh, kind of like you asked about American Moderate with Liz and Saltwater Baptism with Santiago. They're very different than me. And with being there and holding a camera, it allows me to learn and listen. You really don't talk, you, you listen. And then to project back a version of themselves that is most true to them in that season. So for me in Clean Sight, I don't struggle with addiction in the way that these guys do. And uh, it allowed me to be quiet and listen a lot and ask good questions and be there for them uh, as a, a filmmaker. And the best thing I could do is honor their struggle by telling their story honestly. So that's the that's what I hope people get out of it. I hope that people who watch the movie, it adds empathy. I mean, if you we came up with the line, everybody knows someone in, in, in recovery or someone who should be. And that kind of is definitely real with how prevalent addiction is, especially in the United States. But I hope that people either feel seen themselves and or uh, if they're a family member or a friend of people who struggle with addiction, that you just feel validated that you're not alone. And then also that uh, that it would add empathy, that it would add empathy to your journey in a way that uh, changes or softens what we think about someone who has addiction or has been in prison or has a felony uh, because there are stereotypes that we're all fed. And I use my mom as an example, salt of the earth woman, but if you ask her what a prisoner, someone who's been in prison or served hard time or has a felony uh, is like, she's got a stereotype and it's definitely been shaped by stories that we've told partially and media. But if you get to know and love Josh and Cassidy and then you hear their story and see the hurdles that they're trying to overcome with jobs and money and work and life and sobriety and health, then, then you say, hey, mom, do you think that you would hire Josh or Cassidy? Yeah, you bet. Do you think that you they're worth supporting? Yeah. Do you think you'd trust them? Yeah. Well, that's someone who has a felony. That's someone who has addiction. That's someone who has a life controlling a, a disease. So adding empathy to uh, an audience would be our little part of all the tens of thousands of stories related to addiction that could be told. That is so interesting. I love your take on it and offers a unique perspective on like Hollywood, which is amazing. And where can we find uh, Clean Slate at, Jared? So the, the cleanslatefilm.com the clean slate film.com has everything it's got the short film they made the updates about the guys and all the places the film is on amazon youtube google play apple tv it's everywhere that you could search for uh renting a movie uh those everybody's heard of youtube google and amazon so you can find it <laughs> and then our website is peoplepeoplemedia.com and peoplepeoplemedia.com has links to all of the short films that you mentioned all for free Everything's on there. And then uh, now Clean Slate, the third feature documentary that we've made is uh, also available on peoplepeoplemedia.com. We will certainly check that out. And what's come up for uh, Jared Callahan in 2023? We'll find out just one minute. You listen to the Mike Wagner Show at themikewagnershow.com, powered by Sonic Web Studios, and brought to you by official sponsor, the Mike Wagner Show, international warring author, Mia Molson's The Missing. We'll be back with uh, director, producer of uh, Clean Slate, Jared Callahan, after this time.
We're back with director and producer Jared Callahan of Clean Slate here on the Mike Widener Show. Just a great story behind Clean Slate and a lot more in his uh, award-winning films and so amazing. What can we expect from you in 2023 and beyond, Jared? Uh, two films. One's upcoming and one is available now. One of them, we, we've started to, to make uh, scripts and write scripts and do movies with actors. And uh, direct uh, documentaries are great, but also we've worked on Clean Slate for six years. Wow. So to work for six years to show a movie to people... Uh, is great but also we realized it'd be really nice to start with a script where we have a roadmap to what we're trying to make so we've <laughs> optioned a, a short novella called birds of massachusetts by stephen kennedy it's available online birds of massachusetts it's a great story it's two-hander between an older woman and a younger male a caretaker as their relationship and her advancing uh, dementia show each other how they need each other and what they can learn from each other so that's a film that we're workshopping right now. And we're writing the script. They're writing the script and uh, trying to figure out how to get that made at the highest level would be great. But the other film I kind of alluded to, it's also available on peoplepeoplemedia.com. It's our third feature documentary called Sometimes I Shake. And it was me following a mentor of mine. He was in his late 40s and he's a big band jazz conductor, mm -hmm. but he had Parkinson's. So I thought it was a really visual story where his body was literally taking away his ability to do what he loved to do. And that summer, I uh, filmed a lot of footage, and that summer, he got the unfortunate additional diagnosis of ALS, mm. of Lou Gehrig's disease. So we knew his life had a foreseeable timeline that was coming sooner than later. And we just cried together, and he said, well, why don't you film, film the rest of my movie, or film the rest of my life as a movie? So I agreed, and he fell in love, and he married a woman who knew he was going to die and took care of him anyway. It was amazing. So you know, it's this love story between Dan and Jan. And I followed the end of his life. So it's amazing how you could not know that this man, Dan, exists. And you could log in and watch Sometimes I Shake. And in an hour and a half, you will laugh, cry, laugh with Dan and journey with someone as they enter the darkness. And he did it in such an honest and vulnerable way that it was it was a really moving experience that, again, shaped me and has shaped uh, so many people that have seen it. So we, we edited Clean Slate and Sometimes I Shake during COVID. So that movie had been in my life for 14 years. Wow. And I'm excited for that to exist in the world, for people to be shaped by it. But I'm also really excited for Birds of Massachusetts because I don't want to spend six like Clean Slate or 14 years like sometimes I shake on a movie for the next movie. I, I would love <laughs> to just make a movie and get it out there. I, I guess your new goal is to do it in less than six years, in less than five, less than four, less than three. I'm sure you yeah. got a call for that. <laughs> they made, they've made for some really, really quality stories. And I've been making films long enough now with the short films and these three features to look back at the body of work that I've made and to be really proud of the way we treat people and what we work on and the stories that we've told. And that should stand on its own. So I'm excited for that. And then looking towards the future in 2023, we will make more projects and hopefully not spend six to 14 years to do so. And, and, and certainly we'll hear from you in less than that time, Jared. So we'll do that. We're here with uh, director, producer, grew up in Lodi, California, Jared Callahan, the Mike Widener show, a clean slate, just a, a couple more things here. And, uh, and uh, we had talked about what do you expect from 2023 and uh, who do you consider biggest influence in your career? Oh, all all the movies. I I make so many movies, or I I I make a lot of movies. I, I watch so many movies, and talking about movies with people. And sometimes I I like movies that are supposed to be good. That's fun. I really like when a movie sneaks up on you. When you watch a movie because <laughs> someone told you you should, and you just think okay, or you don't know anything about it, or you haven't seen the trailer, and then it sneaks up on you and affects your life and the way you see the world and the questions that you ask and who you are. 
I just love that we have storytelling in this in this form and fashion. So I'm excited. Podcasts are are growing. They're they're a great way to tell stories. Uh, TikTok is making movies smaller and smaller and more conversational. I still really like traditional movie making for that hour and a half to two hour time where we can sit and be challenged. And and like our documentaries, they feel like they're teleportation. Like you and I don't get to go into the 2016 election as a 19 year old first time voter or someone's last week in college or a residential recovery facility like clean slate but you do through our movies so i just think that's still a real gift and i'm going to continue to be shaped by it and then hopefully shape other people by the stories that we tell and keeping up the tradition indeed yes definitely and um what is the best advice you can give to anybody at this point oh uh, it's all relational it's something that dan would always say and sometimes i shake uh, it's all relational. And it didn't mean he was perfect. He definitely, by the end of his life, was working on the ways that he wounded people or, you know, after decades of teaching, uh, being a professor, he had burned some bridges. And so I, I the way it's all relational, I could see he, it shaped him as it softened him. He was a brash, loud person. And as he got near the end, it wasn't just the disease, but I think it was the opportunity to look back at his life and realize all we have is relationships. So do the best work you can do. But uh, one day I was there filming and they were emptying out his office and they threw his dissertation for his PhD into the trash can. Oh so my gosh. You, that's, that's what happens at the end of your life. They had hundreds of tapes from concerts and albums and all these things. And it just, it all went in the trash can. And I just realized like, yes, what you do matters. The, I tell people the work that you make and the films you make matter, but I care so much more about the person that you're going to be and the way that you treat people along the way. So that would be, it's it's all relational from Dan in Sometimes I Shake is quite a good word of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And certainly as well, too, and we all need that. We're here with uh, director, producer, uh, Jared Callahan of Clean Slate here on the Mike Widener Show. Jared, a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Love to have you back. Once again, what's your website? How do people contact you? Where can people uh, purchase or check out your works? Yeah, Clean Slate uh, is the film you want to see. So Clean Slate, you can look it up on Apple, Amazon, Google, YouTube. It's for rent or to buy on all those places. And then for all our short films and our other feature films, look up peoplepeoplemedia.com. Peoplepeoplemedia.com. You can contact us on there or see all our films. All the short films are free. And we encourage you. We can take a Saturday and we will challenge you, encourage you, make you laugh and make you cry a couple times. We will certainly do so. Take up that challenge. Once again, Jared, a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely amazing. Looking forward to it. And soon, keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Love having it back. We wish all best. And Jared, you definitely have a great future ahead of you. Thank you much. Thanks, Mike.